So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets. Welcome back to another episode of Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Tom Seco, and owner of Florida Veterinary Advisors. I have a very awesome guest with me today that we're going to be able to dive down into uh, when it comes to internet and security and all these other fun stuff that are out there. And before I jump into that, I want to make sure, make a mention to it. If you haven't familiarized yourself, we do have a five-part video mini-series that we released that is completely complimentary to you. And the idea behind it is to help you get five foundational steps for financial balance. So if you want to go watch it, you want to go pay attention to it, if you want to spend some time doing it, there will be a link in the description, or you can go to series.flvetadvisors.com. So with all that being said, I've got, an, again, an awesome guest with me. His name is Clint Latham. He's the founder of Luca Veterinary Data Security, and they specialize in cybersecurity and data protection. So as we know, that's a huge, huge thing these days. And I think that uh, Clint is going to provide us some great insights into this. So I want to welcome you to the show, Clint. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And thanks for the intro. I'm actually going to go check out that uh, video series because that's been one thing on my list. I, I'm not like, I, maybe this is bad to admit, but I'm not super financially literate. You know, I'm good at like technology and all this other stuff, but finance is just such a whole other world to me. So I need to start there. I'm going to go check that out myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we purposely put that together. So, you know, people that want to learn on their own time and then if they're like, Hey, I want to do things to that next level. Uh, we're always just a step away to talk to. So, uh, but for anyone who's not familiar with you, Clint, do you mind taking a moment just to introduce them a little bit, like how long you've been working with veterinarians, uh, how long you've been in the data protection kind of world, just so people have a little bit more of an understanding of, about you? Yeah, I mean, I've been in software. I mean, I started my career, my technology career in software. So I was a developer. Well, I started on the help desk, worked my way up to being a junior developer, then finally a developer. So all in all, I would say between cloud technologies, networking and software, I've been in in technology for a little over 15 years at this this point um yeah because i started in my early 20s after college so yeah that makes that makes sense um i made the really smart decision to spend a lot of money to go to law school and i don't practice law so that's another <laughs> interesting fact about me i guess but yeah i've been in the vet space i kind of fell into the vet space i think by the grace of god i don't think there's any other way to describe it i was working for a financial accounting services company and we were building mm. out cloud infrastructure and i I just got offered a job. I was graduating law school. Wasn't sure what I was going to do. The company I was working for was selling and I got offered with a job with another company, tech company in the vet space and really just fell in love with it. And over, I think it's been four, four or five years now. Um, I have to go back and do the math, but yeah, I just started working with practices. I, I really fell in love with the industry. Like all of my best friends are now are in vet med. Um, everybody awesome. that I deal with on a close day-to-day basis and my closest colleagues are in vet med and, um, so yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I got involved in the speaking circuit a little bit and going to all the different conferences. And I just saw a need in the market. I just saw a lot of, I've seen, we have seen a grow in cybersecurity, especially with COVID. The FBI report has been a 400% increase just in the United States alone. When I look at the statistics and you average out the total number of vet hospitals that are in the country and you look at the total number of small businesses and you kind of do some basic math, a small business gets hit, hit every 39 seconds by a cyber criminal. Um, so if you do the math on that, I think 
two and a half veterinary hospitals a day get hit by some sort of cybercrime. Wow. And I just saw a spike in very specific targeted attacks towards vet hospitals, areas that they're specifically weak in. And um, yeah, so I saw a need. And so I just decided to hopefully fill that gap and mostly to kind of look after my friends, you know, like almost like a good big brother, you know, I had had the resources, I knew the tools and yeah, made the leap to start Luca Veterinary Day Security. And so far things have been going good. So it's a little bit of my background. That's really exciting. And I've, I've always found that very interesting about you with your attorney background. I would say you can definitely be able to argue both sides of a lot of things on uh, yeah. give you a whole different <laughs> perspective, right? Yeah, I, it, that's, I'm a sucker for debate too. Um, so yeah, don't get me started on topic because the hard thing for me is like having gone to law school, you know, like you do practice debates all the time mm -hmm. and you know, you have to, you do these mock court trials and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know that you're just arguing a point. And so you can walk away and like, even like I had to debate some of my really good friends in law school and it was like, but you walk away from it and you're like, you just know that that's part of the job. Sometimes I forget that and people like get so, you know, they get caught up and it's, it, it is emotional depending upon the topics you're talking about. And so, yeah, I love to debate, but I have to be careful because I'm like, oh, I got a different skill set in the, in the debating world, of especially course. when it comes to not taking it personally. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Now I, I, I will say it's a really hard thing to get past at times to be able to not take certain things emotion, uh, emotionally or personally, because sometimes people can feel like it's an attack at them, but it's really, it's really not, it's at the subject, but you know, when emotions yeah. get high and you know, people are starting to have difference of opinions, it's exactly what can happen. But one rule of debate, just remember that everybody's a good person. Sometimes they just have bad ideas. So if you start with that foundation <laughs> that overall they're a good person and maybe they just have bad ideas, then you're all right. That's cool. Well, good. Well, so with the data security, I mean, it's very important topic. And especially I would say with the recent times of things, even more stuff is going online and more cloud stuff is happening. What would you describe as being one of the biggest challenges or opportunities for veterinary practices out there to be able to enhance where there's yeah. some holes in their, in their data. This, this may sound a little bit, maybe not helpful, but I think it is the biggest problem that, that we as an industry face. If anybody follows me on LinkedIn, you know, my tagline is helping veterinarians realize the value of their data and then helping them take the necessary steps to protect it. The first piece of that I think is absolutely is key. Um, Dr. Uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? He runs the veterinary entrepreneurship Academy uh, he's here in Fort Collins. Anyways, when I was thinking about launching this company, I'd worked with him and he helps a lot of people in the vet space develop and build ideas. And so one thing we did is we kind of craft this survey and we started surveying a bunch of hospitals all across the country and practice managers to get their standpoint on it. And that was the biggest problem is that most hospitals, A, don't think they have any data that's of any value. So they don't, so then they're like, if I don't have anything to protect, why would I want to protect it? Right. Right. And then because of that, there's just so many gaping holes and they also don't understand how cybersecurity attacks actually are crafted and worked. Everybody thinks that it's like this very pinpointed, I'm going to, I'm going to go after you attack. And the AVMA actually just released a cybersecurity PLIT insurance. I think they released it a couple of years ago, but they kind of started a big push last year to get live. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to take a, something that they said other out of one of their, their talks that I think really describes it best and is that cyber attacks are like a waterfall. So if you look at a river, a river is looking for the path of least resistance. So it's not necessarily targeting a specific nook or cranny to flow through. It's just saying, what's the easiest path for me to get down, downstream or downhill? And that's the way cyber attacks are crafted. If I'm a hacker, I'm not going to spend all day trying to build an attack against animal hospital X because 
I don't know what your weakest points are. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, okay, as an industry as a whole, and vets get lumped into the healthcare industry, and we can talk about why, but just for the sake of brevity, vets get lumped in the healthcare industry. We know that the healthcare industry as a whole has really bad problem with aging equipment, bad, bad, bad cybersecurity practices, not pushing updates, no local smart local endpoint protection, hmm. a whole host of things. And so they build attacks around these weaknesses and then they just push it out to the world. And if you're the path of least resistance, that's how you're going to get hit. Now we have seen, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we have seen some attacks that have been targeted specifically to veterinary hospitals just because of the, the way the attacks have been crafted. But as a whole, that's how cybersecurity attacks work in the industry just doesn't realize that. So when it comes to with records and information that is going out there, because of course there are a lot of practices that are still doing things by paper. And I would imagine that there is going to be a trend where more and more of it is going to be electronic type storage. Do you see a lot of people storing their records online or is it usually held at like a central location in their practice that's connected to some kind of internet hub or what does that usually look like? Yeah. So, I mean, most practices are going to use some practice management system. Mm -hmm. um, right now it's kind of the big three, you know, you have Avermark, Cornerstone and Impermed, which are all the three local ones. So that requires a local server. So that data is going to be housed in a local server on site. Over the last number of years, we have seen a big push and I'm not, it'd be interesting to see what some of the market share numbers are um, from some of these cloud-based practice management systems, you know, where you basically use a web browser to access your data. Right. And so at that point, you know, they're leveraging some sort of cloud service uh, to store that data. And, you know, it depends on which software provider you go with as to where that data is actually going to sit. But just for the ease of argument, I guess it would be somewhere in a data center somewhere. Got it. Yeah, that's one thing with our compliance department. We're very limited on where we can store things. And I know one of them, the the one direction they're trying to go is a OneDrive for like client records and information. I still I still question all of that stuff because anything that's out there can be accessed at some point or another. But of course, the ones that are always looking at the security and being able to enhance things and as things change, because I would say there are um, different hackers and people out there that are very aggressive and trying to figure out any loophole possible to get in. Yep. So. And actually, you know, some of the, the world's best hackers aren't that tech savvy, which may sound really weird. Um, Fascinating. But, you know, yeah, there's a great podcast called Darknet Diaries. And if you listen to a lot of the interviews with these former hackers, some of them are just really, really good at what we call social engineering. Mm. And that's just finding ways to get you to trust them so they can peel valuable information from you without you even realizing it. And once they can get information from you, they just have to be smart enough to be able to then access that information based on the information they were able to pull from you. So yeah, they are good with computers, but they're not like what we generally think of somebody like building a DDoS attack or something like that behind the scenes or some sort of NSA level uh, cyber criminal. So really, and again, that's a big weakness in the vet space. And one reason I love it is it's full of empathetic people and we're mm. always trusting. And so it's very easy for these cyber criminals to get a practice owner. Well, practice managers generate a little bit more you know, they have their guard up a little bit more because I think they're getting sales calls and stuff every day. So they're used to that right. uh, where the, the practice owner is kind of hidden from that. And so a lot of times they're just, yeah. And they're so empathetic and they make for easy targets, unfortunately. That's crazy. It's an interesting thought to think out there because sometimes you think they're the really uh, sophisticated and complicated, uh, really good at being able to dig into the weeds with a lot of that stuff of making it really, really simple, actually. I just know how to use computers really well. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Well, so with, with Luca, cause since you started this, your company, 
uh, being focused on cybersecurity, data protection, what would you say are some of the areas that you've been able to really help practice owners around when it comes to their information? Yeah. So the, I mean, I think the biggest thing is when you look at from a cybersecurity standpoint, or even just a network liability standpoint is Mm -hmm. just recovering the data. So there's a couple of ways that we handle the data. A, I built out this thing called the Luca Data Vault, and it all resides within our, our private cloud. And what we do is when we, we essentially mirror your local environment every hour. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that we build out a separate what we call VPC. So it's a, your own virtual private cloud within our infrastructure. So you are not connected to any other hospital that we work with. You're, you're completely isolated. So from a data protection standpoint, we really control and know everything that's going in and out of that data, that data connection. So I think from just a security standpoint, that makes me sleep a little bit better at the end of the night. And then also, you know, there's been talks about a lot of vendors and people in the industry that want access to the veterinarian's data and actually being good shepherds of the data. And one of my passion projects has really been also to help kind of educate and, help the veterinarian realize that they do have data that's of value and there's a lot of people that want it and you got to choose the right vendor. And so with that, I also have to be a good shepherd of that data. So yeah, we replicate that environment every, you know, every hour. So what that means is that if the server were to crash, if you were to get hit with ransomware, you name it, as opposed to being down for four, four to 14 days, you know, trying to just get something live so that you're somewhat functional again. I think if you look at working with a hospital now that, they got attacked last November and they re- finally reached out to us because they are still trying to recover from it. And Ouch. so they thought they had proper backups. They were using one of the bigger practice management systems, their backup solution, and they're still missing data and it's still a nightmare. So yeah, we can take that down to roughly 15 minutes. We say an hour in the SLA, but um, generally it's about 15 minutes. Cause you have to, you click on, you know, the receptionist would click on an icon on her desktop and it takes a little bit, all those resources kind of set idle. So you just don't have to pay for it until you need it. And so it takes it a couple of minutes to spin up, but once it spins up, you have an exact replica of everything that you use locally just in our cloud. So worst case scenario, it's three o'clock, your server gets hit, you get hit with ransomware. You could still log into your Luca data vault, access all your data, figure out, you know, move patients through the hospital, do everything you need to do, kind of limp along until you can figure out a right solution to put in place. Cause that's the other thing. You don't just want to slam a solution in place. So I'd say that's been the biggest thing that we've done. Um, and then of course we have our cybersecurity suite. So, you know, just protecting the underlying hospital. Um, those are kind of our two core values, but we help with a whole host of things. So when you first talk to a practice owner and you're looking to analyze these things, like what's the, usually the first step that you do to try to engage with them and how does that process usually look like? Yeah. I mean, generally what we need to do is kind of get in there and do what we call like an IT health assessment. And mm-hmm. so we essentially go in and we look for all these gaps, right? We look at your, your data backups. We look at all these things that we know are a cybersecurity risk. And then th- that are also a risk from a budgeting and planning perspective, because most hospitals they don't think like a C-level executive, right? Like they don't think about how to proper technology lifecycle management, all of these things that uh, a whole host of other businesses and or industries are doing. So we look at all those gaps and then we say, okay, here we kind of give them this like nice organized sheet that has all these like, you know, green check mark. Things are great, little warning symbol or red X. And it just says, hey, these the red X things are our biggest priorities for us, but what are you, what is you as a business owner? What are your priorities or as the practice manager? What's really important to you? 
we see where all those align first and we set those as a priority. And then we can start to build a roadmap to actually work together to start to build a bit a stronger foundation. Because if you can build a stronger foundation with your technology, it kind of has a downstream effect. Now, a lot of what we call like independent IT professionals, they don't want to hear this, but we should hopefully be able to reduce your overall IT costs um, mm. by shoring up that foundation. And a lot of times if we just focus on the cybersecurity and data protection aspect of that first, it will help us so that we don't need Bob or Jane to come out, you know, twice a week to slap a bandaid on something that, you know, we're paying 60 to 150 bucks an hour, I've heard $182 an hour before uh, to fix stuff. And it only is going to start leaking again. So if we can shore up that foundation, we can hopefully reduce those overall costs. Very nice. Yeah. That can get pretty pricey if you're not careful. Yeah. So that, that checklist, it sounds very similar to like what we do when we're talking about protection items for people's personal, for their, their business really having a, a, what we call optimal warning. And, uh, when it also is none or, uh, not warning, but it's uh, moderate or it has something in place there. So it's a green, yellow, red type system. Exactly. Yes. Yes. We're speaking the same language here. Yeah, that's cool. And then you can basically be able to prioritize and be able to determine what's the most, most important out of it. I like the word triage, especially being in the veterinary medicine world of things. So, so cool. So you basically go in there. Is this something you can do remotely or do you have to be there in person to do it? How does that usually work? Yeah, we can do most of it remotely. It kind of depends on how deep of a dive that you want in and how much, how much time you want a local resource. I mean, if we can get three to four hours of a local resources time, generally the practice manager kind of spread over a couple of weeks, then we can do it all remotely. Um, Another aspect of our business that we've been working with a lot of some of the smaller consolidators to do a lot of these audits on hospitals before they purchase them or, before they go in because a lot of these consolidators you know when they get to a point where they're no longer leveraging personal finances you know whatever wherever that money came from and they want to start leveraging bank bank financing mm-hmm. the bank knows that this is a liability and so we get it a lot um that's another aspect of our business that actually is really growing that i didn't really foresee was just helping to do these audits for practices that maybe have a, you know, they're overall, they're happy with their, the IT company or whatever that they're working with. They don't really have any cybersecurity issues, but they're looking to get a loan or they're looking to sell or whatever the case may be is in the bank's like, well, we need to know what our risk is here. So it's been a big part of our growth towards the middle uh, last year. And then definitely through this year. Great. So let's say that someone's not ready to start engaging around these conversations. They just want to get more information or they want to do a little on their own right now. What is something that you would suggest that they could do? Yeah, I mean, the easiest thing would just be go to our website, www.luca.vet, like veterinarian. So it's L-U-C-C-A dot V-E-T. And there is a, a link and you can get our free ebook. It's called Five Simple Steps to Protect Your Practice. And it's awesome. five things that you can do to implement uh, yourself. So you shouldn't need us to do it. Um, that you can do over a lunch hour, maybe if you're really diligent and can be kind of make, get everything implemented or kind of spread it out over a couple of weeks and kind of talk, tackle one of the five items, you know, each once a week or something like that. But it's, it gives you the stuff that's the biggest bang for the buck. So you shouldn't really have to invest a lot of money to accomplish these things. There are a couple of tools that we recommend. There are a lot of free tools in there that we also recommend leveraging and using. Um, but yeah, it's all stuff that you can do and the eBooks completely free. You can go there and download it. Awesome. I will make sure to include a link to that in the description. So for whoever is listening right now, uh, please make sure to look down there too, if you want to get access to it. Uh, And so Clint, if someone wants to start the conversation with you, what would you suggest is the best way for them to get in touch? 
Yeah. Again, they can uh, go to the website and they, there's a link and they can just schedule their free consultation call. And we'll really, it's just all about them. You know, what are your problems and, you know, can we help solve those problems? And a lot of times, sometimes the hard conversation is, is you have a lot of other problems that you don't realize are problems yet. Right. Um, because they haven't bitten you yet. So we also try to help to uncover some of a lot of those hidden issues. So it's generally understanding what's important to you first. And then again, back to the idea, like, okay, we understand this is important. And a lot of times, some of the issues that are important to them are generally related to one of the issues that is also important to us. And so it makes it a little bit easier, but yeah, that's the first step is just, you know, schedule a free call. Let us know what problems you're having. And then we'll be honest with you, you know, to let you know if it's something we can help with, or maybe you should talk with somebody else. But yeah, that would be the first step. Awesome. I, I always say that as well to everyone we talk to, it's, it never hurts to at least have a initial discussion, just to ask you questions, see what you get, what you're doing, where there might be, there's the saying, you don't know what you, you don't know. And sometimes it's always good to go find out. And at the end of the day, you can do something with it, or you can decide not to do anything with it. You can mull it over a little. So it's always exactly. helpful. I, I would think too, with data and cybersecurity and all those other things, it's huge now because, you know, there's even insurances for it. Yeah. It's become even a bigger, bigger uh, discussion. So I think yeah, which is-, is an which is an interesting point. We're actually looking at now providing insurance level based audits. So if you do oh, cool. have cybersecurity protections, a lot of times you'll have that protection, but then if something happens to you, they won't pay out the claim. And what's interesting about the AVMA, just because you're a numbers person, I think their average claim right now uh, that they mentioned last year in 2020 was $133,000. Wow. Yeah. So think about that. I mean, that's, that's a big number and that's the average, right? So some were way above that and some were, you know, below that, but yeah, the average claim is $133,000. But if you think if you're paying for that protection and you don't haven't taken some, re, as we say in the legal world, reasonable measures to protect yourself, yep. we'll deny that claim. And so we're working on being able to help um, analyze where you're at based on maybe whatever insurance you might be carrying and making sure that you're covered. That's great. Well, so I think this has been really great conversation. I hope that anyone who is listening, if you are at least remotely interested or curious about this, or if you are concerned about maybe having some potential holes, definitely reach out to Clint at Luca. I believe he can be very helpful. Uh, and to shift gears here real quick, Clint, if you were to be able to only survive off of one food for the rest of your life, let's say you're stranded on an island, what food would that be? I kind of have a, I have a kind of an Urkling for it, but Maybe not even a food, more of a liquid, but I'll let you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if it was liquid, if, if I had to choose one liquid, it'd be coffee for sure. I'm a total coffee snob and I, I take, make no qualms about it, but that's not to say that people who drink Starbucks, you know, that I've got anything against you. I drink it. I mean, it's got its place, right? Um, I'd rather drink that than gas station coffee, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I love specialty coffee. Um, and I, I have friends so. that own specialty roasters and one just opened a new, this is total offshoot, but one just opened a new cafe the other day and we were talking to them and how they're building relationships with the local farmers and stuff. So I totally could geek out on coffee any day, but when it comes to food, I mean, that's pretty easy. I'm, I am Irish genetically and I am a sucker for potatoes, like potatoes mm. and salt are so good, fried, baked, whatever. I mean, I could probably, and they actually say that the potato is one of the most nutritionally complete foods that are available. So um, yeah, I could probably survive on potatoes for a while. I love Man, the potatoes are one of my crutches too. I, I love yeah. some French fries or just roasted yes, potatoes. French fries or... oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, like we can't buy chips. Like we cannot keep them in the house. Like I tell Aaron, I'm like, do not buy them because I'll eat them. 
and i don't like i want to eat them but it's not good for my overall health so yeah (laughs) we can't buy it yeah you put a bag of salt and vinegar chips in my house and they're usually gone within an hour it's (laughs) exactly (laughs) yes exactly uh speaking my language this has been a fantastic conversation and i do appreciate you joining me on the show so thanks for all of your insights today clint no, thanks for having me on. I love it. I mean, who doesn't love to talk about themselves for a good, you know, half hour? So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Well, for everyone listening again, I'm going to make sure I include some of the links to his ebook and also the link to the website if you want to schedule a time. Um, and also, too, if you haven't checked out our mini series, go check it out. Uh, five foundational steps for financial balance. And uh, it's absolutely complimentary to you. But for now, this is Tom Seco wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purposes only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Submission number 2023-151972 expires March of 2025.